This week's episode is brought to you in partnership with Zero Procure, who are here to make procurement simple. Zero Procure harnesses a network of specialists to ensure that businesses are working with the right suppliers at the right price. Hospitality Meets is delighted to partner with the Zero Procure team and their network to help keep this podcast accessible and free to listen to. Please get in touch with them for a chat. Just click on their link in the show notes or visit their site at zeroprocure.com forward slash podcast. Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is hospitality titan Robert Cook, CEO of Hostmore PLC. Coming up on today's show... Robert does some name-dropping. Uh, so I end up taking Elton John to the concert in Montar. Phil highlights just how well-known Robert is. So famous that he's even got his own Wikipedia page. And Robert shows the extremes he'll go to to solve the staffing crisis. So we had Bob Geldof and Bono behind the bar with him helping. All that and so much more as we chat through Robert's incredible career so far. Robert uses the words fun and luck a lot in our chat. I've never believed that you need luck when you've got drive and talent, but it's clear from all the stories that Robert gave us that he really has had a lot of fun along the way. I was so incredibly grateful that he gave the show so much time and wisdom from his career so far, and it's exciting to see Fridays have some new energy pumped into it. We'll be keeping a close eye on progress. Oh, and in case you're wondering, this is what my COVID voice sounds like. But I don't stop this show for anyone or anything, so I'd be forever grateful if you could give us a like, subscribe and review across your favourite podcast platform. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Hospitality Meets with me, your host, Phil Street. And I am thrilled to be getting some time with today's guest, who is undoubtedly one of our industry's most well-known titans. I can talk about that in a minute if you wish. Researching him, he's been a CEO for, well, it's since at least 2004, having been at the helm of many a recognisable brand such as Malmaison, Hotel Duvan, Village, Virgin Active, and now Hostmore PLC, which has the brand formerly known as TGI Fridays, now simply Fridays, and a new brand, 63rd and 1st. I've no idea what he was doing before 2004, so I'm excited to find that out today. And it gives me huge pleasure to welcome one of the people within hospitality who is so famous that he's even got his own Wikipedia page. Robert Cook, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. How, How are, are you? you? I'm good. How yeah, are you? Very well, very well. Stranded at home because of a train situation, but uh, other than that, everything's good. Yes, indeed. Well, I think the uh, the world has um, well, the world's falling apart, isn't it? Really, um, there's no getting in away from in it. a world. Yes. <laughs> anyway, we don't need to talk about that today. Um, you are you recording from? That's a very nice room, actually. What's the the the, the shirt in the background there? That was that comes that harks back to Malmaison days. That was I was gifted to me by Colin Montgomery, who was the Ryder Cup captain at Celtic Manor. That's his winning captain shirt. And at the time, Mal Swans um, looked after and, and, and its charity was the Elizabeth Montgomery Foundation, which uh, was in conjunction with Maggie's Care Centres. Uh, Colin and, uh, and myself and the teams and, and others uh, walked the West Highland Way. And in fact, we walked the West Highland Way and the Caledonian Way uh, right. together for, for charity. So, um, yeah, that's, that, was a, that was a thank you from him. And I was a guest of his at that Ryder Cup. I'm a bit of a golf nut, so uh, it was a, a nice thing to have. What, um, where's the accent from, Robert? Originally Aberdeenshire, yeah. Okay. So uh, born in born in Bankley and brought up in Peterhead, and then did uh, hospitality at uh, Robert Gordon's un- uh, University in Aberdeen when it was called RGIT, Robert Gordon's Institute of Technology. Got you. Yeah, my mum's actually from Peterhead, but there we are. Is she? Yes, yeah. Really? 
yeah, it's been a, a long time since I've had any kind of roots back there, but um, but yeah, there's there's some heritage there. Yeah, well, my folks, my folks were hoteliers up there. So my, my father was manager of the, the Station Hotel in Fraserburgh, and then from 1972 until he passed away in '86, he was at the Palace Hotel, Peterhead. Right, got you. Yeah, well, small world. But anyway, I've been excited to get you on the show for a while because one, we've been trying to do this for about a year now, I think. But you've been I think so, a, yeah. quite a busy chap. Two, you are, as I mentioned, you are re- recognised as an industry titan. I hope you don't mind me saying that. You've um, you've certainly been at the helm of some, as I said, some very recognisable brands. But I'm I'm really really interested to understand how you got there because. You've been at the helm of these brands for such a long time now. Sorry to say, I don't know if I is that an, is that an insult, an indirect insult. I don't know. Makes me feel a bit older, but that's yeah. <laughs> so yeah, take us back, take us all the way back to the beginning of your your career. You mentioned you were Robert Gordon. How did you get into hospitality in the first place? Well, I think you know, I, I was as I've mentioned, I was born and brought up in hospitality. Uh, I was born in the the Burnet Arms Hotel in Bankery. Um, I, my folks were hoteliers up in Aberdeenshire. I went from there to Fraserburgh as a sort of two, three-year-old. Uh, left there when I was seven and then went to Peterhead and um, lived in a hotel. I mean, I lived, I've, it's been well written before, but I, I lived in room 114 of the Palace Hotel in Peterhead until I was 18 years old. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'd be living in a hotel as the son of the of the manager, uh, the managers. You, 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 you live and breathe the place. You know, you... You, you you walk past reception you 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 go and get your supper out of the kitchen and you go and sit in the dining room uh, and that's what I did all my life and um, I was very popular at school because we had a, a lovely big ballroom there and my dad used to let us play five-a-side football on a Wednesday night uh, in the ballroom but the, the penance was we had to polish the, the floor afterwards in readiness right. for the weddings that were in on Friday and Saturday but no listen it was a great it was a great life and and actually I didn't want to do hospitality I was actually going to go and do PE and become I wanted to become a PE teacher uh, and sadly, I broke my back in a car accident. My own fault, being stupid, just passed my driving test, took my dad's flash Audi out and, and, and wrapped it around a tree. And I, and I damaged my back. So PE was out off the question. And then I had to come back and tell my father, who was pretty ill at the time, that I was going to go and do hospitality, which was absolutely the last thing he wanted to do. Uh, really? wanted me, absolutely the last thing he wanted me to do. Despite uh, him having built a career around yeah, that, and a life. despite him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you know, he, he he saw his hard slog. He was he was quite early a, a pretty major stroke when I was nine years old, and he, and, he, and he had heart issues, and and a lot of that he put down to the lifestyle. Uh, he was a heavy smoker, and uh, I wouldn't say he was a heavy drinker; he was a heavy smoker, uh, and and just the hours of hospitality. So he was pretty miffed when I said, "Dad, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and and uh, he never saw me finish at Robert Gordon's. I, I only did a year there when he passed, but um, you know, I think. As my mother says to me now, if you look back and saw what you've done, you'd have been pretty proud of you. So I think, um, and the hospitality world I am now in, or have been for the last 20 years to, to, to today, to where he was, is a completely different world. Yeah. Uh, and they were genuinely the days of long hours. I mean, my father would be, father and mother, they ran it together. Mother would get up and do breakfast and and, and, and father would come down about 10 o'clock in the morning, be there till the bar shut whenever it did. Uh, these were small hotels, but he was very hands-on. They were both hands-on, which is, something I've always been myself and I think it came from there and then I was fortunate I, I worked in the kitchen there under in, 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 under the head chef and, and I worked in the restaurant I, I I did I did the ballroom bar on a Friday Saturday night with uh Davy Wood who was an icon of a barman uh back in the day and and you know I, I learned my rope so when I went to our, uh, Robert Gordon's I was sort of the cocky guy at the class because I sort of knew how to work a knife and chop onions and and prepare 
and, and pair potatoes and, and, and know how to cook a steak in, in, in medium rare, well done or whatever. Yeah. And I knew how to cook fish. I knew to fill the fish and I'd done all this sort of get and work in the restaurant. Um, because back in the day, you know, it was all about trolley work. So I thought I was, I knew all the practical stuff. So, uh, but I had a great time there. And uh, when I left there, I went straight to, I did my placement with, uh, with then Holiday Inns. In fact, with, uh, Mr. Stephen Carter, who uh, who I know you've had on, on the podcast before. I mean, Stephen was the GM of the Birmingham uh, Holiday Inn, and I I was down in the Croydon one. And he after gets, gets around a bit, doesn't he? He does a bit. Yeah, he did a bit, and still yeah. does. Uh, and uh, I did my sixteen week placement there. At the end of it, Roger Powell, the general manager, said, "Listen, you seem a pretty good guy. Do you want to come back when you're finished?" So I did, uh, and I was with Intercon, uh, as it's now called. It was Holiday Inns in those days. I was there for about. Uh, I was there from 86 to 90. I was sort of Heathrow, Mayfair, uh, Croydon, all sort of around London. But I missed home. I missed, I missed Scotland. Pa- my, my, my father had passed away and mum was up in Aberdeen running the hotel by herself. And I fancied coming home, uh, or not home home, but back to Scotland. And I was really lucky. And I, I always say it was one of the, I mean, I've had a few breaks, but that was the, 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 the next part was the break to go and work in the opening of the Balmoral Hotel in Edinburgh. Um, and I remember going there and, it was the whole management team from the top down had all basically came out of either Mandarin Oriental, Peninsula. Uh, the, the, the housekeeper came from the Carlton in Johannesburg. And, and my boss, um, Guillaume Briatz, he came from the Piro restaurant in the Mandarin uh, Oriental in Hong Kong. And I was a holiday inn boy, you know, so I was, I had a lot to learn. And, and this was a five-star deluxe hotel. But, you know, Peter Tyree took me under his wing and um, allowed me to grow in that hotel over the, over the two and a half years I was there. And um, I did really well. I, 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 I ended up leaving there as food and beverage manager. Uh, and I loved it. It was a great, but I needed to do other things. I've always been, you know, I need to learn new strings to my bow. So I wanted to go and do big conference hotels. Again, Carter came into the hotel one day for a wine tasting and had seen me from my holiday end days. He said, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm assistant F&B manager at the time. So you must come over and work for me in the moat house in Glasgow sometime. So I did that. I moved over on uh, July 27th, 92. I remember the date well. And I started with Stephen and I became his deputy. I became, I was his food and beverage manager to begin with, became the deputy GM after that. Uh, and um, two and a half years there. And I, working for him was fantastic because as everybody knows him, he's such a great leader and inspiration, but he actually let me run his, run his hotel. And he would just pull you in every so often and say, I wouldn't have done it that way or I would have done it that way. Congratulations, you did that well or whatever. And that was, you know, I had a fantastic two and a half years then. Uh, met my wife, Debbie, there. Uh, Debbie had worked for, and it's part of the sort of, um, you know, how you how you meet luck as you go along, but had worked at One Devonshire Gardens for Ken McCullough, who was up to creating this new brand. Uh, but no one knew what it was at that time. So I spent a couple of years with, uh, two or three years with Stephen at the, at the Moat House. I then had a foray back down south uh, and I had my first stint in hotels with golf, which I was really excited about, to open Slaley Hall in Northumberland, which I latterly came back to run as CEO when I was at Devere Hotels. Yeah. And I had some time there and then I went back to Intercontinental to the Crown Plaza in Manchester, where one night uh, Simply Red were staying and a certain Ken McCullough came in because he was in a JV with them on the Manchester Malmaison. So I saw Mr. McCulloch was staying, quickly went to reception, said like, Ken McCulloch's staying, one of the finest ateliers in the UK, we need to get him into a suite. Had a bit of a barney with the front office manager because I was the F&B director at the time. I need to get a room for this guy. He's really, really important. Anyway, we, we looked after Ken and he saw me in the morning. He said, look, you must come and have a chat with me one day and we should come and work for 
come and do something with Malmaison. He said, I know you're in the northeast of Slithy Hall. We're opening one in Newcastle. Do you fancy it? And I went and then the touch paper was lit. Uh, I, uh, I opened the Newcastle Malmaison on the 4th of November, 96. Um, this was as GM. As GM. Yeah. Uh, and it was a great opening. I mean, I was again, you know, you, you ride your luck. Newcastle was on the bounce. The quayside had just been redeveloped. The, the Baltic Flour Mill became the Contemporary Art Centre. The Sage was opening. The New Bridge was opening. You know, Newcastle was on fire. The quayside was a place to be. And I had this lovely 120-bedroom hotel right on it. And uh, we had a great time there. Uh, I had a great time at Mal the first time round. So Ken, no sooner than I opened Newcastle, said to me, look, I want you to be regional director. So I became a regional director for the two Scottish hotels and, and Newcastle. And then, lo and behold, the company went for sale and um, the, it went to a, a REIT, Patriot Hospitality of America bought it, bought Ken out. And um, that was that was the end of Malmaison under Ken McCulloch. But he phoned me and said, look, I'm about to do something with Formula One racing driver David Coulthard. We've bought a hotel in Monaco together or in the throws of buying a hotel in Monaco. Would love, you to, come over. <laughs> love you to come over and run it. And I said, that sounds terrible. I'm, I don't fancy that. Yeah. Monaco. Not for me. Yeah. Anyway, that didn't take very long to say yes. So we went over to uh, we went over to Monaco together, and I spent four and a half years there um, working with Ken and created the Columbus Hotel in, in Monte Carlo. And Fonvi converted the old Abella 186 bedroom hotel conversion. Tough job, tough tough job because we had heavily unionized. The hotel was in strike when we bought it, and that really was 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 tough to get them get everybody back to working to get them to trust us. We were a new yeah manager. sure. Coming into town, nobody knew of us other than, and I think absolutely that's where David Coulthard and the name came to play. You know, they all respected him as a Formula One pilot, as they called him, a pilot uh, in in living, and he actually lived in the development, so people knew him, and and, and that helped. But Ken was determined to create something new, and 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 he got his wish, and we create, we opened and created uh, Columbus, and we looked to roll that out actually, and again, a bit like Ken tried to roll out one Devonshire. And the bank had said to him, look, it's great, but it doesn't make enough money. Why don't you create something, come up with something different? And he came up with Malmaison. Ken was determined to come with a brand that was going to be super affordable, but was super good. And, um, you know, that's where Dakota came from. So Dakota was born when we were still in Monaco. We opened the first one in Nottingham, and then we went on into Edinburgh and so on and so forth. And it was, it was the whole, the reason it was called Dakota was because Dakota brought affordable flying to the masses. And this was about affordable luxury. And I think to this day, I still think Dakota is one of the best hotel brands that Ken did. And I still think to this day, it's one of the best hotel brands in the UK. Not everyone knows it because it's very Northern based, but it's just a fantastic business. Yeah, I, I we, we have um, actually tonight, the podcast goes back live again. And I've got Matt Townley on, who's a uh, regional yeah. uh, ops director. Yeah. Matt's a proper yeah. character. I love him to bits. I, one, of, one of my old graduates from Malmaison. Really? Well, I actually yeah. wanted to talk to you about that because I, I, I did read about, this is kind of harping back to when you were um, GM at, uh, at Malmaison in Newcastle. I read something somewhere that said that you, you staffed it with graduates and, and internal promotions. Is that true? Or Yeah, or, that, yeah. That, that is absolutely true. It wasn't actually the mall, it was the Hotel de Van. This is right, a few years later. Um, so yeah, look, I, I, I did Dakota, but then I'll come back, we'll come back to that question. Sure. So I did Dakota with Ken, uh, started that. Then we, Ken and I, got a knock on the door from, from Malmaison, the new owners, MWB, and said, we'd like you to come back to run the place because we've, we've taken it back from Radisson. It's, not, it's lost its way. We've not done anything since you left four years ago. We've only got one more hotel. We'd like to come back. 
And Ken hummed and hayed and, 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 and decided not to. But I sort of straightened my tie and said, nice to meet you guys, really enjoyed it. Maybe we'll talk again sometime. Mm. And about five weeks later, I got a call saying, would you come back, just you, and come back as CEO? And I said, I'd love to. That was a heart-wrenching moment because I'd worked with Ken for eight and a half years and we had an amazing relationship. But I had to do it for myself. Um, and, I, and, and it was look, to be offered. Richard Balfour Lent offered me his 36-year-old guy who'd only ran two, three hotels at a time, to give him a whole brand was Opportunity Knox. So I grabbed it with both You were 36 years old at this time? Yeah. Fantastic. I I had actually written down, you don't look like you're old enough to have been a CEO for as long as you have been. So now I kind of understand. You you got there quite young. I got there quite young. But again, I think, you know, I was very lucky. And I was also lucky when I arrived at Mal. I knew exactly that business inside out. It was still the same size. Some of the GMs were still around. We still had a, a lot of the rudiments of the team were there. And we built it on that. And um, I would say from 2004 to 11, that, that, that seven years of buying Hotel Devan that year. Uh, and I'll come back to that story you asked me about a second ago. But that, I mean, we opened five hotels in 19 weeks in 2007. It was just, it was right. a roller. It was magic. And we had a great team. You know, we with you know, Nick Gamble was our number two. Keith Shearer, who was the group chef, still with me to this day. You know, we had some great people in the business and um, where, you know, it was just magic. And, uh, you know, we, we really made a name for ourselves. Mal was still, it was still hustle bustle. It was still, it was breaking all the rules. It was still a really cool brand. Yeah. And bringing Hotel Devan on board, you know, was just, you know, that was just the way to really own the boutique market in the UK. I mean, you know, and, and, and I was pinching myself. I mean, by this time, I'm sort of 37, 38, but I've got... 27 hotels of, of the best in, in, in the market spread from Brighton right up to Aberdeen. But then we did come to open the, 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 um, the Hotel Devan in Newcastle. And, and by that time, we had Sean Wheeler, who was, who was really instrumental in gluing the two businesses together. And Sean, is, I, I, I rate, is one of the best HR individuals that is out there. He really helped develop a real people purpose. And we had a really great sort of bench of general managers of the future. Uh, and we've mentioned a couple of them today. Matt Townley is one of those. Yep. And uh, Andrew Kreese, who came up through the ranks with us, who's now at the Allen in Manchester. I said to him, you come and run uh, Newcastle HDV, you open it. I said, but I think we've got so much talent in our graduate pool. Let's do the whole thing with graduates and make a real statement that if you're good enough, you're old enough. So we had, we, we, did, we, we did a program with Oxford Brooks and we did a program with Lausanne. And we had all these kids just knocking at the door. So the housekeeper was a graduate. The, the, the chef was the chef wasn't, but the, the, the most of the team were, uh, and and also the finance head of finance at the Newcastle Mall also oversaw the the hotel divan, and we did it, and it opened really well. And you know, I just think if there's one thing that I think I, I loved about Mal is we grew great talent, and we we grew our talent from within. And if you look at them now, you you know Andy Roger. Off running Cameron House as 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 the MD, Grant McKenzie running all Chris Stewart's stuff in Edinburgh, Matt Townley now regional director for, you know they're just three. Jamie Stevens at Village, you know they're just three or four guys that have gone really and and gone places. And you know around that we had general managers like Lizzie Kelp who's now running Virgin Edition uh, with John uh, John Walker around around the world. You know we've got, we the, the talent's gone on and. Um, we just had a great team spirit in those days and uh, probably the best team I ever had. And it was fun. And uh, we worked bloody hard, but we had great fun along the way. And we, had, we, we picked up the odd award here and there. And, 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 and the, both the hotel groups were renowned uh, and, and got AA recognition. And 
Guardian Business Traveller Awards every year, and with Sommeliers winning Sommelier of the Year every year in uh, in, in Hotel de Van. It was just a magic time. Yeah, I, I mean, it was a brand at the time when I around that time was making my first foray back onto land, having did the first part of my life on ships, on cruise ships. And it was one of the first brands that I was kind of made aware of that I didn't know anything about, but you you guys were definitely ripping it up, you know, mm-hmm. like in terms of it was doing, I think, as you said, it, you know, it was somewhere where you could, you know, you can go and have a great experience, like a luxury experience, but you're not paying several hundred pounds a night to, yeah. to do that. Yeah. That was the whole thing. I mean, the, the strap line was we dare to be different. The mission statement, we will do the simple things well with care, consistency and passion. And we were always a great value proposition. We never, you know, we, we always did, we did it a lot more for less. That was all these little strap lines that we had that we stuck by. Yeah. And I think you stuck by the golden rules of the inception of a, of a concept. It's a bit like what's happened in Fridays when I've come back here. I remember Fridays when it opened in 93 in Glasgow. And I always say to the team, I remember 93 in Glasgow. Why are we not doing like that today? Because that's how it was. That's what, that's what made this brand magic. And that's what made Mal magic. We stuck to the rules. Ken put down some really sound foundations. And we, and we built it from there. And um, yeah, it was it was a great journey. But I, I, I was there a long time. I was there four years as a GM and a regional director and then a further seven years, 11 years in one businesses. I would never have stayed. It look, in, looking back, I wouldn't have stayed so long. Right. But it was time to move on. And uh, then I went to Devere, Andrew Koppel, um, who had just taken over the, the, the Devere business. He dangled a carrot for me to come over there. I'd already secured a job somewhere else, actually. Uh, when I was leaving Mal, but he said, come over here. I was loosely involved anyway, because Richard Balfour and the MWB boys it took it from um, public to private. And I was one of the shareholders. So I knew the business. I'd been involved in the business. I was sort of a sort of the hotel consultant on the board anyway. But then I went into full-time capacity at uh, as, at Village. And then soon after, I got the resort properties as well. So the Mottram Halls, the Brightons, the Grand of Brighton, the the Belfry and uh, and Cameron House, etc. And that was that was a great job. I mean, Village, I think, is one of the best brands out there. It, it's it's a bit of an unsung hero because it's got a. It's a very very commercially successful business. It's got a great rooms business. It's got a great food and beverage business. It's also got a massive gym business. And that was my first foray into gyms. And I'm I'm talking a, a business meaningful. You know, nothing to have four or five thousand members in a hotel gym with the full gym kit that you would expect to see in a Virgin Active or a David Lloyd. It was a great business, and um, I, I enjoyed that very much. But I, I more enjoyed, if I'm honest, I more enjoyed the resort side. Uh, I've mentioned I'm a golf geek, not just because of the golf and the fact that we became a sponsor of the PGA and we did five European events. But, you know, the Cameron Houses of this world, the Slaley Halls of this world, the Alton Halls, the Belfry, I mean, an absolute icon, which we managed for KSL, the, who eventually became uh, the, the owners of Village, um, and, and, and Malmaison, as it happened. And, um, you know, that was a great business. You had the, the, the pump of the, the ground at Brighton with all its history. And then we had the refurbishment that we did at Cameron House to try and compete in the five-star upper-end market in, in, in Scotland, which I think we achieved. So it was great fun. I then, after that, had a, a wee foray at McDonald Hotels. But I, even going into that, I was wanting to do something different. I wanted to widen my, my thinking along the space. And I got approached by Virgin Active. And it was, it was quite lucky, again, Simon Sussman, the, the, the chairman, who's uh, ex-Marks and Spencer, was one of the best retailers in the world, based out in, in Cape Town. He was the new chairman of, of Virgin Active in the UK, and he turned around to the board and said, look, the, the problem with this business, it doesn't, it doesn't look after people. It's, it's got no hospitality in its veins whatsoever. And I think right. whilst we're a very good gym business, you need to go and find a hospitality guy. So an agency pulled me up, 
And I went to Virgin Active. It was my first foray out of the tells. And I absolutely loved it. I had four and a half years there. We had three years of double-digit EBITDA growth. We turned the business around from where it was. I mean, I was told when I arrived by my boss, Paul Wolf, he said, this, this business is like catching a falling knife. Uh, and it needs somebody really to get into the, the... And I rolled my sleeves up and I got around all the, 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 um, the stores, all the, all the clubs, got to know the people and knew nothing about health and fitness, knew about managing people, but quickly got into it. And it's all about sales and it's all about terminations. And if you can get your sales high on your terminations, you're working well. Right. And that's what we did. I had a fantastic, again, surrounded, surrounding yourself with great people was key. I had a great girl called Maura Galabaster who joined from actually MWB's business exchange business, the service office business, but really could sell. Uh, and her and the team really made it made it happen. Great, great operations team. Fantastic FD who joined the same day as me, and I'd never met him before. So he was appointed alongside me, but we'd never. I didn't meet him, and he didn't meet me. Dave Carter, who now actually runs the business, and Virgin was great. A great brand. Uh, met met the man himself on a couple of occasions. Sir Richard, absolutely inspirational, and had a great four and a half years there. But it didn't have enough hospitality in it, and 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 I missed that bit. So I was looking for something. So was uh, that a little bit like a to to take that on? Was that like almost scratching a an itch, as it were, to go and and I suppose take your your, your skill set that you've learned and you're kind of you know evolving as it goes and actually saying, can I take this the experience that I have in this hospitality business and take that into a completely different sector, but who still obviously wants to deliver uh, a high caliber of hospitality and perhaps that was the missing piece of their jigsaw. Yeah, no, totally. And, you know, I've, uh, I think you've got to have, uh, you've got to have guts in life. And I, I knew, I knew when I was being interviewed for the job, I, 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 first of all, I really loved the idea of Virgin. Uh, I mean, who wouldn't want to work for that brand? Uh, and that's important to me. Uh, secondly, I liked the space and I had had a little play with it in Village. But this was really, this was really a business that was going the wrong way. And I, I, I wanted to do some sort of turnaround. So, I threw myself at it. And I, and I say to people to this day, I don't. I, I think anyone can run anything if they've got good leadership and if they've got a good talent spot within their, within their demeanour and their commercial and their dogged and their determined. And, and, I, and I, I, I think those words probably describe me quite well. And um, Virgin was, that, that was a great business. You know, I still, I still talk to the guys regularly. And, you know, I think the future of hotels, whilst... There are some fantastic hotels out there. I think hotels have really got to grasp what the opportunity is on wellness, particularly in studio wellness, whether it's spinning, boxing, Pilates, yoga, integrated into a hotel space. Could be you could create a hotel brand of real note if you did something around that line. So anyway, four and a half years there. That was great. Wanted to do something different and then waited, had a couple of things I looked at. In the meantime, stupidly went for a haircut one day and and Anik, where I live, and came out and saw there was a building, building, building for sale called the Convent of Mercy. I went to have a look at it. I went into the, the estate agent and I know, and I said, "Duncan, can I have keys for this thing?" He said, "A lot of people looked at it, Robert. It's you'll never convert it into flats." I said, "Well, let me have a look at it." I walked in. It was obvious what it should be. It was obvious it should be a wee boutique hotel. So we bought it, and my wife and I, my wife mainly, um, Debbie, she she converted it, and um, and it's a. The Cookie Jar, eleven bedroom luxury hotel in Northumberland, it does great. So it's, it's still got my, and, still got and my I can't my my mother can't escape you either because um, she's she's now living with my father, I should say, in uh, in Northumberland. They're in a, a little right. place called uh, Walkworth, literally Walkworth, just around the corner. Well, I could be in Walkworth in 
in a 20 minute walk from here. Yeah, my goodness. Yeah. That's a small world. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a lovely part of the world. And I've been here since my Newcastle days. So I've been here since 96. And it's home. And I've commuted in that LNER to London for the last 25 years. Right. Uh, not, not I, I don't week. think the world know about Northumberland. I mean, no. I, know, I know it gets busy in the summer, but yeah. I think everybody, I probably shouldn't say this on a, in a public forum, but everybody flocks to Cornwall and Devon. But I think Northumberland's got better beaches. Well, it has. And it's the new, it's the new Cornwall. And there are, you know, there's other hotels popping up uh, all over the place up here of of, of note and of, of luxury. But yeah. so we did that, uh, and the cookie jars are a lovely little thing to have. It's eleven bedrooms, and it goes like a storm. And uh, I have nothing to do with it other than I help them choose the wine list, uh, and, that, <laughs> and, that, and that's true. Uh, so then, and then, an agent phoned me up one day. So I've got something. But you need to come around and sign an NDA. So I went around the office, signed the NDA, and it was Fridays. It was TGI Fridays, and. Um, Wow, I, I thought I used to love that. I used to, like everyone else says, I used to love that brand. Let's have a look at it. So we had a look at it, looked under the bonnet, and I said, "Yeah, let's go for it." Uh, and, and there was a purpose there. And you, you alluded to it when we, before we started the the, the, the podcast. There. there was a purpose there for Electra to do something, either to sell it or to float it. And um, that was very exciting for me. I was really keen to float a company and be be take something into PLC. Obviously, had never done that before. I think the job in itself, coming back to hospitality and, and restaurants and, and bars, was 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 a little bit more in my in my gift rather than health and fitness. So I wasn't scared of that element of it. But the actual commercial moving it into a PLC was going to be a real learning curve. We I arrived in 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 the December of nineteen and took the job on in June. And during the June to December time, we we worked with uh, a consumer research company about what they. What the consumer was thinking about Fridays, and we interviewed about four thousand consumers to say, right, what do you think of Fridays is today? Where we'd like to see it, and so on and so forth. Uh, and we talked to lapsed users as well to why they're not using it. And um, the output of that was we needed to invest in quality. We had to make the menu simpler and easier to execute, and we had to become a bit more relevant. Relevant in our food, relevant in our drinks. Uh, our, our cocktails were perceived as being too blue, watery, and sweet and not authentic and not using the real stuff, uh, the, re the real premium spirits. Uh, so we did all that. We did all that work, and we then started implementing it. And then wham, bang, COVID, uh, three, three months after we started. Thanks very much, yeah. Thanks very much. And look, we battled hard and, and came out the other end pretty well. You know, we, we maintained our, a, a good ethic, um, and we, we maintained a great balance sheet and, and cash in bank, and we preserved cash. And we've been able to come out of it and grow which has been fantastic. It's been a rocky ride with coming out of COVID and then the whole staffing issue and the logistics issue and the supply chain issue. Uh, that's settled. That's all settled down. Staffing is still a problem. Not, not necessarily finding staff or quality of staff, but keeping them because the man next door is going to throw a few more pounds at it. So that's tricky. But then now we're in this 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 sort of inflation situation. We're in cost of living squeeze. People are paying more to fill the tank, more to fill the fridges, and people are eating out less. So it's it's been a tough old ride. But after all that said and done, a pandemic and now the realms of what looks like a recession coming and, and certainly a consumer squeeze. I still love it. It's 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 been a, it's been a great journey. It's a, and they're the most phenomenal team. The, the team at store level, if you cut them in half, they're red and white. You know, they are absolutely. Right. In, I mean, Friday's culture is ingrained in them, and they they get up and go and they're fire on their bellies. Phenomenal. But the trouble is, we we lost a lot of them during COVID, 
and we've had to balance that back with new people coming on board and that's been tough for them and it's been tough for just for for for, for getting it all back on the road again but it's it's the interesting thing is that the three things quality relevance and simplicity that the, the consumer was shouting for and he was also shouting for you used to be really good at cocktails and, and i've grown up now and i drink different cocktails you need to create a bar that's going to give us something different which is where 63rd and firsts came from uh, and we've got three open and we open edinburgh in july 7th actually next week two weeks time uh, that was where that came from and that's working really well great cocktail bar 70 percent is alcohol 30 percent is food and we're just doing small small sharing plates and that sort of americana style food and that's that that's been great for us and then me being me, I said, right, we need to be a little bit more innovative to fill the spaces that we can get into because Friday's stores are about 6,500 square feet. They can't go into every city and town in the UK. We need to create with some nimble opportunity with a sort of quick service restaurant. So in Dundee, three months ago, four months ago, we launched Fridays and Go, which is fundamentally a, a, a grab and go and a delivery and a press the screens and go to the counter and pick up your food and either sit in or go out and eat it. And that's worked really well and going like a train. So we're very excited about that. Dipping off a little bit now with the students and the, well, the football's finished, the students are, are leaving Dundee and the schools are about to close. So the summer will be interesting to see how it works. But we've it's a test. Let's see what it goes. And if it works, we'd love to roll them out. But it's a great business. And it's 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 you know, my I always say to the guys, I remember when it opened in '93 in Glasgow. In fact, the opening team stayed with Stephen and I at the moat house, and the opening HR director was Sean Wheeler, who then came and worked for me at Mom's <laughs> Pinch right. them from there. And, and, and you know, I, I talk about those days and, you know, when I first had a fajita was in Fridays in Glasgow in 1993. No one ever heard of what these things were. And now they're a staple in our menu. And we've got to be as good at doing them as it was then. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a fun business uh, and it's, it's, it's hugely challenging. And then, of course, just at the back of the pandemic, we then floated the company on. The- yeah, no, indeed. It's very different to running a private equity-led business or a privately owned business. Uh, you're at the behest of... Uh, a lot of investor meetings, you're, you're running a public company, you're running a public company, and um, there's a lot of rules and regs. But um, it's been a lot of fun. It's been tough because the share price hasn't been the best uh, and the markets are not the best. We were a demerger, which was not understood by everybody, and we have a legacy uh, shareholder base and that needs evolving. Uh, but, you know, it's been it's been tough, but, you know, I've still a smile on my face and I'm still fire my belly. So, yeah. Uh, well, crikey, I mean, geez. What, that's what a story so far. There's a lot to unpack there, for sure. The the thing, I, I'm guessing by moving into the role that you've got now as well uh, with the PLC, I, I'm de- detecting there's a big part of you that likes, that you're inquisitive and you like to test yourself. Because I, I'm guessing at the age of 36, taking your first CEO position, did you, in your in your head at the time, were you thinking, I am so ready for this? Or were you thinking, God, what have I done? Or a combination of all of that? I think with Mal and, and going back to, I mean, I was ops director when I left. And it wasn't, it was, it, it hadn't got any bigger. So I was, I was absolutely up for it. And I, and I, and I wanted to smash it. And, and they were great people. Richard Balfour and Mike Bibbring and, and, and Bill Broadbent, the guys at MWB, really, we, we gelled, we got on great. So that wasn't scary. I'll be honest, I woke up on the 2nd of November this year and said, oh my God, I'm now running a PLC. You know, and and there is no there's no manual. This is how to run a PLC. It's it's you learn as you go. Yeah. And 
you have good you have good days and you wonder why the, the price has gone down and you have bad days and you wonder why the price has gone up so it's it's it still takes a lot of understanding and there's a lot of nuances to it it's complex but it's still at the end of the day if you run a good business on the long term plc world is about a marathon not a sprint and you've just got to be patient and stick to the knitting of what you set out in your prospectus and just let it roll and yeah. it you know it's 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 a it's it's a different thing but that's there was there was an oh my god moment on the second november and there was a i remember after a week with virgin i thought to myself have i done the right thing here because you know it's a very strange place we're not selling any bedrooms here i'm not used to this and our food and beverage is about four percent of our turnover so it, it's there's been times when it you think but you've just got to you know roll your sleeves up and knuckle down yeah i mean and i suppose that's when you enter into a, any kind of leadership role, I suppose that's that's half the battle. Is so you've got to back yourself, right? But equally, you can't do your job properly if you don't have good people around you. Yeah, yeah. That, look, there is. There, I have been fortunate that I've surrounded myself with some great people. Some people, and I've always, I've always took. I mean, Ken McCulloch always say, employ people better than yourself. You know, I, I I'm not a marketing expert. I'm not a, I'm not a finance expert. I'm not an ops expert. I'm a generalist. I was a general manager. I'm now a CEO. So make sure the specialists you've got are the best you can get. And I, you know, I've had some great people in in marketing. I mean, at Virgin, um, Louise Philip, who's now moved on to become CMO for the whole of the Ivy Group. I mean, did an amazing job. Um, and and she came into Malmaison as a way back as a as a, as a trainee almost, or a, not a trainee, but she was quite junior in the marketing uh, the marketing team. Uh, but I, I'm a great believer, and if you're good enough, you're old enough, and give people a chance. And give if you see a bit of talent in somebody, push them, and they'll grab on, and 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 they'll grow. And that's that's been probably the biggest thrill I've had out of this industry is is watching young talent grow and and just giving people opportunity. And sometimes you get it wrong, and and we've got to look ourselves in the mirror and say, right, hold on a second, we've we've pushed that one too far. Let's just bring it back again, and 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 then reset. Uh, it's not about oh well they've not they've not done a good job. When someone fails that we've put into position, I think to, I look at myself in the mirror and say where did we get it wrong? It's not always the the, the person that gets it wrong. Yeah, but uh, that's the magic of this industry. Yeah, for sure. I I think you you touch on a really great point there as well about the fact that that that's that's the the industry needs more of that kind of leadership in terms of let's not hang people out to dry. If they get something wrong, let's all look internally and say, right, where did that go wrong, and how can we make sure that that doesn't happen again? Um, yeah. What would you say to anybody that's that's listening, who maybe has aspirations to become a, a chief exec themselves? What would you say to them? To what do they need to go and learn, or or what's the? There's obviously many many different routes that you can get to a, a, a your destination, but. What advice would you give to anybody who who wanted to to head down that path? I think the first thing is you you you've got to your first role as a CEO take on a take on something of a size and of a subject matter that you know inside out because you know it is it can be a lonely it can be a lonely world and people will try and trip you up. Um, so I think that's the first thing, and don't try and boil the ocean in month one and month two. You know it is a step by step process, and 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 do take your time. And listen, and listen, and listen. Listen to people around you. It's been the business for. I, I was, I, I haven't listened sometimes. In, in, in. I, I took a while to listen at Village. I was, I went in there. You know, I came off the, off the back of Amazon. I thought things could change quickly, and you know, I, I should have listened more. So I think that's really, really important. And, and also, don't be frightened to go and seek advice. Uh, you know, seek advice from 
mentors and, and people around you and people that are in the position. There's nothing wrong with that. And, uh, you know, I remember Richard Balfour again when I went to Mal. He did introduce me to, uh, to other people. In fact, my banks, actually, Deutsche Bank, introduced me to CEOs of Starwood and CEOs of RF and, and, and other bigger groups and for me just to go and listen and talk to them. And I think, you know, you, A, you, you build a good network which is great. And this industry is about networking and it's about fun. Not enough of that going on at the moment, but it's sure. about fun. But also to listen and, and, and to, to, to and to share best practice or share ideas with each other. I mean, there's nothing wrong with plagiarism as long as it's it's a great slum of flattery, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah nicely put. I um, And I, I, I completely agree with you. I think that we I've said this on many, I can't even, I don't even know these days if it's on this podcast or the podcast I do for the IOH, but the we talk about actually that's how we win. Because actually amongst us, there is so much knowledge and passion and care for the for the industry that actually, if we all just listen to each other and help each other rise up, then ultimately we we end up with a much better industry. Um, yeah, I definitely feel like it's evolving though. Like that, there's a lot more people thinking this way now, whereas maybe in the in the kind of boom time, it was just always about growth, profit, how much. Uh, you know how fast and all of those sorts of things but i can sense that actually people are coming around to the fact that actually if you focus on the people element of your business a lot then actually you're going to see great benefit in your in your profit no no 100 percent. and i and i used to irritate richard at at, at mwb quite a bit because i'd be in front of banks in front of investors and they say robert how quickly can we grow malmo's on how quickly can we go to other bank? i say i can only go as quickly as i can grow the talent because this is a nuanced brand. And if we'd taken Hotel de Van, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time with Robin Hudson when, when he came out of Hotel de Van. I spent a lot of time with him and I put the whole thing in cotton wool. I wouldn't let MD from Mal touch it because it was a very, very specialist brand. Uh, and it had a lot of intricacies that made it great. And yeah. people would, and they were obvious things. And um, we took our time on that. And, and you know, they would say to me, I think, I think Hotel de Van could grow to about 50 hotels in the UK. I said, not a chance. It'll never get to 50 hotels because there's not 50 towns that are, are ready for or hotel divans ready for them. And I think you can't shoot shoot for the stars all the time with certain brands. And there comes a time, and Robin has done it again in the pig. He's got it to a level, set it, and he's he's, he's, he's still there, but he's moved it on with KSL. He did the same with us. And, and I think I was the guy. I, I, I always said to people after Robin left that I would take it to the next level, which is 25, 30. That's where I am at. And right. then it can go in, and then it can go into the world of the big boys. And I think there's, I think that that's really, really important. And and but I meant what I said then. You know, you, we could only grow HDV particularly. Hotel Devan particularly was about the right people in the right place at the right time with the right knowledge. And they, they don't come along every day of the week, so you got to build from within. So it could only grow as quickly as we could we, we could grow from within. Yeah, absolutely. There's, a, I mean, there's massive sort of sides very, very relevant things along with sport as well. I'm a Liverpool fan. I'm a massive Jurgen Klopp fan. But I he, so am I. Yeah, I, for lots of different reasons. But one of the, the, the main reasons is that, yes, of course, they've opened the checkbook a little bit to get some players in. But actually, if you look at their long-term plan, it's all about the development from within. Um, yeah. And uh, from a commercial standpoint, notwithstanding, that actually, I mean, that just makes sense, doesn't it? Like to to yeah. really no, no, look totally. after the ones that within. Totally, totally. I mean, I was very fortunate back in the day uh, of Mal. I got I got to know Alex Ferguson quite well, and you know, so I always might have to my... end it now. The conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big Klopp fan. I like Klopp. But, 
Fergie was always about the team, uh, the, the, the team, and about growing that talent. That 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 Beckham schools era, uh, and and there was always people by. Then. I mean, Fergie won the championship twenty four. He was there twenty five years. He won the championship how many times with about four different teams? Yeah, because when somebody dropped, someone else was ready to come in behind them. And I think that's that's a big learning for for our industry and any industry. You know, I always like to have people on the bench that are ready to step in because where there's a gap, there's a problem. Yeah, and absolutely. I, that's in football, that's in any team sport. And, you know, at the end of the day, what we're doing is a team sport. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And actually, the point there on evolution, that's very relevant to the role that you have now, notwithstanding what, whatever you're doing with your team, but actually the product. I mean, you, you that's it's a brand that's been around since 1965. Is that right? 65, yeah. yeah. 65. And so in that time, that's a long time to be an yeah. established restaurant business. It must have to evolve. And if it's not evolving, and maybe that's the point that that when you took over at the time that perhaps it wasn't evolving or it was evolving in the wrong way, the evolution is part of is a necessary part of, of business. No, hundred percent. I mean the, the food had to evolve and it had to be relevant and had to be simple um for today's market. But our staples are burgers, ribs and and and, and steaks and stick with that. But our cocktails similarly had to be you know, the cocktail world's changed so much that it's about the premium spirit and the craft of cocktail making. So, you know, it's a bit like sommeliers. They are, a, it's a craft. Bartending is a craft. So we had to put that back in. And then in the world that we're in about relevance, that's about, it's not just about going out for supper or dinner and and, and, and having a good meal and, and great service. It's about the experience and the overall experiential now. And you're seeing, you know, golf concepts opening up. You're seeing sixes, uh, the cricket concept opening up. You're seeing flight club, the darts concept opening up. There has to be more to do. So we have to think about how can we bring experience into to Fridays of where we can afford the capital and also afford the space. So people said to me, oh, you could put a bowling alley into Fridays. I said, yeah, but I wipe out 40 covers, you know, 50 covers. I need to think about other ways. So we're we're, we're playing with with um, at table entertainment. We're playing with live music. We're playing with all sorts of stuff to make it that dwell time that, that bit more. But equally, yeah. investing in the quality of the food, investing in the quality of the service, investing in the quality of the cocktails, and becoming a, becoming a place again. And and look, we're a long way off, but we're making good strides. And that's all you can hope for, really. Ultimately, isn't it? Is yeah. that you, you just keep progressing forward? Totally. It's totally. not a not a bit. You got. Um, is it 87 restaurants now yeah. In, yeah. on the Friday's brand? Um, and then the four on, on 63rd. Uh, really excited about Edinburgh's opening. We've got the old Café Rouge on Frederick Street, which is a great location. Uh, and Graham Nisbet, who runs that business, he used to run Cameron House for me. He's 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 an absolute stickler for detail. So, and we've got a great great opening party planned for the 7th of July uh, with all the all the right people, apparently. So so the PR, tell, the, the PR company tells me, and I, I know a few of the names, um, so, you know, we're excited about that. And and then Fridays and Go, I think that could be a real game changer. Um, you know, this this whole fast casual and obviously delivery is massive. So I know, listen, it's been a great journey, but um, I'm not finished yet. There's a lot more to do. A lot yeah, more well, to do. well, you're only, what, what are you, 45 now? Something like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 50, 56 and the grey bits are coming out now. Yeah. Well, I'm 40, 45 and I've got grey as well. So uh, I think um, that was COVID. I'll just say that. Uh, right, I, I want to. I actually just want to touch on very, very quickly your time in Monaco, and specifically David Coulthard, obviously a another Scot. Yeah, he, he has dabbled in his lifetime in the the world of hotels and hospitality. What was what was it like to work in in that environment, especially coming from where you were before 
uh, very different part of the world, uh, different clientele. Yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, different clientele, although we we'd quite a lot of celebs stay at Mal. I mean, we did a big thing with the music industry, so we always had somebody of a band staying in Mal. And, you know, the Balmoral, I, 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 listen, I met pals to tell Peter Heron, you know, I served breakfast to Margaret Thatcher there, you know, so it, it, it's, it's been around for a while for, for me. David was, David was an amazing owner. He was a stickler for detail. Uh, he would notice things that only hoteliers would notice. Right. Um, he would feel the, the, the under of the table and feel there's a bit of edge on it and say that just needs smoothing out because somebody might catch the finger on it. He was a stickler for detail, but he was he was massively supportive in terms of he would interact with the team, interact with the staff. He would take the senior people out. He, he was brilliant. But the, the, and I tell this story quite a lot. But he the, the thing that he taught me, and it's it's sort of where I am. I'm hugely competitive. But David had the had the had the the, the plane crash in Leon on the Tuesday with his girlfriend and and the dog. All survived. He broke a rib. Came back to Monaco in the car. And he stayed Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever it was. And they had Barcelona at the weekend, so he was te- he was he was he was in he was in the car by the weekend, crikey, and broken rib uh, and and bruising and so on and so forth. And he was second in Imola that weekend. And he came up the steps of the hotel, flew in in the helicopter, not his own helicopter. The helipad was next to the hotel. The Monaco helipad was next to the hotel. And he came up the steps, and I was sort of hanging around waiting for him. And so I knew he'd come in. He always came in after a Grand Prix um, for, for 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 something to eat. And uh, he came up the steps and I said, David, what for a performance today? He says, and he turned around and he said, Cookie, second is first of the losers. <laughs> now, he had a broken rib. He then subsequently showed me a massive blister on his backside, or just the top of his backside, where there was a rivet, rivet uh, rattling all the way around in the 78 laps. It caused a blister on his backside. But he was, he was, he was great. And um, his family were great. And uh, he was very respectful. And, uh, you know, it was good, 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 good time. And obviously with him, you meet. I remember uh, one night going up the stairs of the hotel. I used to come in on Monday night uh, when I was doing the Dakota stuff. I'd come back and forth, come up on Monday night at quarter past eight. And um, it was Edge's wedding that weekend in, in Monaco. And I go into the bar and David's shouting at me, Cookie, how am I supposed to do this? And he had Bob Geldof and Bono behind the bar with him helping. And you had Christy Turlington and... And Naomi Campbell in the bar, you'd Michael Stipe there, and you'd Lenny Kravitz strumming away. I mean, it was, it was, you tell these stories. I mean, hoteliers can tell stories because they've, they've seen this and done that. That yeah. was some, that was some night. Scott Harper, who's the general manager of the hotel now, who's now CEO at Mal, he just looked at me and said, Can you pinch yourself here? You've ever been in that bar you wonder then? It was just, it was magic. Really yeah. great, really good times. Yeah, I mean, I'd... look, Monaco's, Monaco's a great place from March to September. The tumbleweed comes through from September to March. It's quite quiet in the winter. Is that but right? When it flies, right. Like, yeah, it's quiet. It is quiet. But when it flies, it flies. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Grand and Grand Prix weekend is just special. Yes. Well, I'd good luck trying to get a hotel room that yes, weekend, exactly. uh, or an apartment, or or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. But I think the the point you make there is absolutely bang on, though. I mean, there are definitely moments in this industry whereby you you kind of you have to just take the moment in, right? Whereby, yeah. look what's happening around us. And we're a part of this, you know, and, and their enjoyment is because of us uh, yeah. and, and that sort of thing. And it's, um, yeah, it's uh, I've got my own story about Bob Geldof, but that, I've told that before. I actually did a very bad impression of him as well. It did involve alcohol, but anyway, that's for another time. Yeah, well, I mean, look, hell of a story, as you say, still lo- loads to do. What's What does the next year look like for you in, a, in an ideal world i suppose 
Well, the next year is going to, I think, look, let's let's be real here. The next year is going to be pretty tough. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Inflation's just come out today another percent higher and and there's and the consumer's definitely feeling the squeeze. But the next, the next, we've got uh, three new openings this year uh, for for Fridays and, and same again next year. So we're, we're we're continuing with our growth and um, yeah, it's 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 business as usual, but it's going to be tough. Uh, and we've always said that we would like to look when, if we're still in this position of strength we're in today, if we come out of this next uh, episode uh, still in the same position, we would like to acquire smaller, more disruptive brands that maybe seek capital to grow and really create the platform that Hostmore was designed for to put more brands in. But in the short term, growing Fridays, growing Fridays and go, and a couple more 63rd and 1st are on the cards. Fantastic. Well, right. I mean, you know, wish you all the, the very best with the, the next phase. Now that you're floated as well, that's kind of, that's done. Focus that's on, done. Focus on forward. That, absolutely, absolutely. And then, look, I think... I think you've just got to, I think the next, you're going to hunker down for the next 12 to 18 months. But I think meanwhile, you should be thinking about what does innovation look like? What's the future look like? I know about, I know everybody talks about digitalizing the company. That's sort of past now. We should have all done that by now. This is about, people are going to be wanting to come out for experience and experiential leisure is the way forward. And we've just got to make sure that Friday's fits in that, uh, in the right place. Yeah, absolutely. Um. You've given us some stories already, but is, are there any glaring, amusing anecdotes from your your career that you can share with us? Appreciate that most of them are probably unshareable. Um, oh, listen, there's been there's there's lots of let's lots of little things. I mean, I, that, that that time I mentioned about Margaret Thatcher, she stayed in the palace in Peterhead, and my mother took her breakfast to her room, not me, but I wanted to go with her because I wanted to meet the first ever woman prime minister. So I go up to her and say, nice to meet you, mom, and, and very nice to meet the f- woman, the first woman prime minister. And she said to me, I'm actually not the first woman prime minister yet, but I hope to be in the election. I didn't, and the nine-year-old didn't quite understand what yeah, um, yeah. leader of the opposition was. But anyway, lo and behold, when it happened, she sent me a book and, and with signed, I wish you Godspeed through the journey of life, Margaret H. Thatcher. Now, she, I know she wasn't everybody's cup of tea, but I thought that was a really nice touch. Also, back in those days, um, Twiggy and her husband came to stay in the hotel when he was doing a, a serial called uh, Oil Strikes North. And um, she was so bored, she would take me to school in the morning. So Twiggy used to take me to school in the morning. Uh, yeah, God, I didn't see I that coming. There, there was lots, a lot around Monaco and, 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 and the Grand Prix. But, you know, we've, we've, met, we've met so many people. The one funny one from Malmaison, Newcastle, was Elton John was staying. And we had to call him uh, Lord Whooper Roopsy. Uh, Lord Lord. Lord Rupert, whoopsie, yeah. We, had, we couldn't call him um, Elton John. Uh, and that was quite quite funny. But then when he went down to get your car, the Rolls Royce, the, the driver was a friend of his from Newcastle. And the Rolls Royce was like a 1978 Silver Shadow. And he locked it and he locked the keys in it and he couldn't get into it. Like so that. we, so I end up taking Elton John to the concert in my own car. Uh, that was quite funny. <laughs> my God. You, yeah, you, you got you. Yeah. Oh, there's loads. The life. I'm not t- too much you'll read them in my book and i wanted to sell well so uh, ah, very good yes well, i was gonna I, I, I was gonna say you should write you should absolutely write a book you should probably write a book about how to become a ceo that's uh there's an idea for you i'll take 10 percent. it's fine um <laughs> but um no i, I getting, the, getting, getting the roles easy it's staying there's the problem uh, but i seem to have done all right so far this is my yeah. fifth one first fifth ceo and, I, and it's um yeah we'll probably get maybe get another couple under my belt before i hang my boots up yeah Good man. Final question before I let you get on your way. What uh, three reasons would you give to somebody uh, to join hospitality? Uh, It's the most fun industry in the world. It allows you to be innovative. 
if, if that's in your bones. And it gives you enormous pleasure to see people grow around you. Uh, and, and I think there are three masters. The days of hospitality is hard work and poor pay. It's only hard work and poor pay if you don't apply yourself uh, in anything in life. And, you know, I think it's an, a marvellous business. But I think if, you've innovative, if you're innovative in spirit, it's a great place for you. It's a hell of a fun and you can have great camaraderie. Uh, and I think those three things, if you've got pride in your bones, is, is a, it's, a great, it's a great industry. Yeah. And just look at all the people that you've met who you've mentioned all the way through your story, who you're still in contact with there, you know, you can still turn to for mentorship or, you know, camaraderie, <clears throat> excuse me, as you said. Totally. I mean, I still speak to my bosses from, from years ago, all of them uh, at some point. And in, 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 you know, some of them in their late seventies now, and it's, it's great just to reminisce. It's an industry you can reminisce on because there's so many grand stories. Yeah. Uh, and do you, do you remember that night with that glass of wine? Do you remember the night you opened that? You know, it's just so many. It's yeah. uh, it's a magic business, and um, but it, it, it's 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 a magic business because it's full of magic people, uh, and and we've got to keep we've got to keep allowing people to be themselves, and 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 make sure we don't lose fun. The industry is about characters. You know, you got the Harry Murrays of this world. I mean, he's one of the greatest characters in the industry. Yeah, uh, the Ken Wallace, the Nick McLeish Ryan, sadly no longer with us. So people like that, they're massive characters. I remember um, when Nick, who had Crinan Hotel, when he stayed at the Newcastle Mall, the Britannia was outside uh, before it went up to Edinburgh for its final dock. And he knew uh, his his mother was an ex, uh, his his parents were ex-Navy people. And I think he was a quartermaster on the, on the Queen Mary. Well, I mean, the night with him on there and the stories he could tell with the, the, the ship's Commodore, which we were invited on board for, it was just fantastic. But those characters are, you, you, you see less of these characters now. And that's why I, I really applaud the likes of Townley and, and 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 Andy Roger and these these guys are the characters and they've got to allow them to be characters and yeah private equity hasn't got to smother them because the industry needs that level of um of fun in it yeah for sure I, I could not agree more and actually you know you mentioned the experience part as being such a massive part of hospitality you know what's an experience without somebody who's a bit of a character to to yeah. kind of take guide you through that experience yeah, totally, totally. And, and and that can be your concierge, it can be, I mean, characters in the kitchen. I mean, some of the guys on dishwashing, on, 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 on KPs in the world, they're just absolute storytellers. Yeah. And internally, you've got that, never mind what the guest sees. Uh, but, you know, I think, please, please, please allow, you know, we, we had a thing in Mal, we liked you, we heard you be yourself. And, and we should allow people to be themselves. And if you're a character, get them on board and, and it makes the place a far more enriched place to work. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, that's a wonderfully positive way to end it off. Robert, thank you so much for spending time you, and sharing your, your story today and uh, wish you a, a fabulous year ahead. Great stuff. Thanks for talking. No problem at all. Take care. Cheers. All the best. Take care. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. And there we have it. What an unbelievable career from Robert so far and how about all those stories? By the sounds of it, we haven't even scratched the surface and I'll be keeping an eye out for that book. I'll be back again next Wednesday at 8pm with more stories from hospitality and with a bit of luck, a normal voice. But until then, thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next week.